For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with my co-host Carl Banks on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. That's when we're recording this bad boy. And uh, we got a good show lined up for you. We're going to dive into the whole Jason Garrett situation, where this team goes from here, Daniel Jones. And Carl, I know we like to talk some food. Um, and I know you're very passionate about it. I want to talk about something that we were turned on to uh, you know, like in the last couple of months, and it might be the best sushi that I've ever had in my life. So I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little hey. bit later in the show. All right. I, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. I am, uh, took a minute to kind of digest the, the move at the giants. I was, you know, after the game, uh, you and I, and our producer, John Schmelk, and, and uh, Howard Cross were just kind of talking. And I, I said after the game, just something didn't feel right about um, the way the Giants played, uh, especially offensively. Just coming off of the, um, the Oakland win and then coming off a bye, it just didn't seem like a focused offense. And I just felt something wasn't right. And after the game, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change coming. You said that, and I, I want to give you full credit for this because you said that to me in the booth before we even went downstairs to do our TV show post-game hit. And before Judge had even talked to the media, which led to everybody thinking that, wow, it sounds like he might be making a change. You said it in the booth as soon as the game ended. You're like, I, something's going to change here. Yeah, it just it didn't have the right feel. And so before anybody um, started the whole pylon process, let, let, let me be clear about a few things. Jason Garrett's a good man. He's a smart man. Uh, didn't work out. The production uh, of this business requires you to um, have some level of effectiveness. So that's the business end of it. I know a lot of people made it personal and they attacked him. That's not what this is about. Um, it's about the offense not moving in the direction that uh, it needed to, point, point blank, no matter who was the coach. But that that just felt, Bob, like, okay, we're, we're going to send you guys home over the Christmas break. But make sure you study because we have a test the day you get back. And it felt like that plan was put together 
the night, and it, this is not questioning the integrity, I'm just making an analogy. It felt like the plan was put together the night before the test. Right. It just didn't feel right. Like, you know, um, the whole the whole night, it just felt like a bunch of grab bag plays. No consistent here. You couldn't block for your quarterback, but you couldn't run, but yet you can throw, you know, a gimmick in the end zone, which was a great design. Um, the Tony pass was a wonderful pass. It should have been called as an interception, but there was nothing about Tampa and they are in a, a phenomenal defense that destroyed every opportunity. Um, and it just, it, it felt like I was watching the 86 bears where you couldn't snap the ball without something bad going on. Right. Yeah. But I it wasn't, it. but that's not their, they're not that, that good. That, they didn't have that personnel. Their best player wasn't even on the field. Their, their best interior lineman. And it just, it just seemed like there was not a plan in place. And it was just a grab bag. Let me see if I could call this. If, if, if I see this, I see that. And I'm going to, I, I want to take you somewhere because this is something that Joe Judge, as a young coach, has got to get a hold of as well. Um, now, the results are what they are <clears throat> with this offense. And I don't think there has been enough appreciable growth under Garrett um, to match what they have. And, you know, people say, well, the Giants don't have talent. They don't have an offensive line. Here's what they don't have. Uh, they don't have anything that maximizes the talent that they do put on the field. I don't think, well, let me just say this. The offensive rankings, the basement rankings of the Giants offense does not match the talent on the roster. Whatever no. you think the talent is in this, in, on this team, their offensive ranking categorically um, is not, it's not beneath the, I mean, the, the, the ranking, they have better talent than what they're ranked. They should not be dead last in the NFL and red zone offense. You know, there's a lot of other teams that have offensive line issues. There's a lot of uh, other teams that 25 of them. You know, I, I look at the Patriots and hey, Max, what's up? Hello, Max. Hi. Say hi. Hello, Max. All right. I'll Hello. see you, bud. Bye. See have, you I'll see you later, later. Max. Um, sure. Thanks. That's the beauty of the podcast in the house. Yes. Um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, the, the I'll, give you the, I'll, I'll give you the Patriots as an example. They got a rookie quarterback who's being developed. Now, if you were having, I think if you were doing a talent, talent evaluation draft of people, <clears throat> you might take Johnu Smith over any of the Giants tight ends. Okay, but it's not like a slam dunk when when Ingram is used properly and Kyle Rudolph. But I'll give you Johnu Smith for the Patriots. 
you taking any of the Patriots wide receivers over any of the Giants front line wide receivers? Are you taking now they have a nice collection of running backs and they know how to utilize their stable? But I think you would take Saquon Barkley over their top dog any day. Why are they why are they effective offensively? Why are they scoring points? Why are they efficient in the red zone? Why is the quarterback growing? And Daniel Jones looked worse than he did his rookie season. There's some there's something fundamentally flawed in what they're doing, Carl, because it's you're a thousand percent right. Should they be the number one offense in the NFL? Okay, no, their offensive line's not good enough, but they should be scoring more. Look at the look at his numbers, Carl. So uh Mike Clay put this out yesterday. Since the start of last season, the Bucks lead the NFL with 95 touchdowns scored. Packers have 93, Titans 89, Bills 89, Saints 89. Go through all 32 teams. You know who DFL is? And that's dead bleeping last? The New York Giants with 42. Yeah. The Jets have 46. The Jaguars have 52. The Bears have 54. The Broncos have 55. The Texans have 59. The Lions have 61. The Giants are dead last in touchdowns since the start of last season dead last on a team that has Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and can now Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony. Yeah. I have those guys last year, but my point is their, their talent is better than their ranking. And when you have that and you haven't figured out how to utilize those guys, then something has to change. Now, Here's where Joe Judge has to have some responsibility in this. He's a young coach, but if I if, if Joe and I ever had a moment and had a beer together, I would share this story, but because we don't have a beer together, I'm gonna share it on air. Um, and he sat in meetings with Bill Belichick. Great one, yes. I've sat in meetings, staff meetings, with Bill Belichick. I've sat in staff meetings with Bill Parcells. Yep. And here's the one thing that I know Bill Belichick got from Bill Parcells. And I'm going to wait till Max get out because I don't want to use these words in front of Max. Oh, you're going to use a little salty language? I'm going to use the exact words. But that... he can't hear you. He can't hear you because your audio is going through my headphones. Well, you know, people will look at this and say, how could you say that when the kids? Okay. Room? Yeah, by the way, the Giants are dead last in red zone offense. 12 touchdowns in 27 trips, 44%. Uh, Washington is 31st, Detroit 30th, Denver 29th. All right, go okay. ahead. He's, he's gone. So I've had the honor of, of sitting in coaching staff meetings for four years with Parcells when he was with the Jets. And this is the one thing he said. He said it when we played and I played for him with the Giants in front of his players, right? But he said it often to his, his assistant coaches. And this is something that Joe Judge has got to remind his coaches. And Bill Parcells would be notorious for saying, you fucking guys ain't going to get me fired because you can't do your job. And he's basically saying, figure out how to get these players playing because I ain't losing my fucking job for you. And that is where Joe, I mean, Joe Judge is a young coach. 
And I know there are some sensitivities and he has to respect everybody. So whatever, whatever method he uses to convey that point, they can say that in his coach's meeting, right? I mean, if that's the way he, if that's the way he communicates. Well, I don't think he's short on salty language because, but, but, but here's the thing, Bob, they just can't be words. Right. And obviously when you have um, a change at offensive coordinator, those aren't empty words, right? But here's the other part about that. When you have an organization that goes out and gets you two weapons for your your your, um, your red zone woes and your quarterback uh, consistency in the red zone, Galladay and Rudolph, count the games that they've been used or even targeted in the red zone. Now, Rudolph has one touchdown in the red zone and one catch. But for the amount of times that this team gets to the red zone, either comes up empty-handed or kicking field goals, and the fact that we are not talking about this is where Rudolph excels, this is where Kenny Galladay excels, it doesn't matter if the entire world knows that those guys are going to be targeted. That's what they do. Teams guess find a way. I knew that Tom Brady was going to try to throw the ball to Mike Evans coming out of the sure. left slot when they had second and goal. I know that the Cowboys, when Amari Cooper's healthy, they're going to throw it. To, I know they're going to throw it to Gronk. This is not, we knew that the Cowboys were throwing to Jason Witten. You're a thousand percent. They're not even on the field, Carl, half the time. Right. I was blown. I'm blown away how many times this year I've seen like, ah, the Giants are in the red zone and the, they're in the low red zone or the high red zone, whatever you want to call it. But you're, you're there around the 10 yard line. And I, and I see like Galladay jogging off, Tony jogging off, extra tight right. ends. Coming. Like, hey, listen, man, your season is hanging on the brink. I mean, let's face it. For the Giants, the playoffs started like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. They got to win a lot of games and they got to start pulling off some upsets. And Monday night was a great opportunity, not a great opportunity to win because they weren't really that competitive in the game in the second half. But going into the game was an opportunity to kind of shake the apple cart a little bit. How many more times are I going to see Galladay come off the field? The, you know, your quarterback also has to, you know, if he's not on the field, you, there's no opportunity for these guys to make these catches that we watched them make with the with the uh, with the Lions and Rudolph with the Vikings for all these years. These high in the end zone, but back in the end zone, because they're not on the so, field. And this is this is not I'm, I'm I, this is not a pod, the the podcast to defend personnel moves, but when we are when we hear so much about what the Giants personnel people are inept at, right? They give, if they give you players that will help you, then help them help you, right? Because Kenny Galladay is not a bum. Kyle Rudolph is not a bum. But when they're not on the field, and then you have people saying, well, you know, the, the front office, they can't pick play. Well, the players they're picking that can hack actually help your team why do we sit and scratch our head as to when, when the world knows these guys are really good in certain areas of the field? And in the case of Galladay, 
he's really good in other areas beyond just the red zone because of his wingspan. Because, And you don't even put him on the field. That is the part where, again, somebody has to ask the question, why aren't they on the field? And then the head coach has got to say, you know what? You're absolutely right. Why aren't they on the field? So I don't know if that's his blind spot for saying, okay, I'm going to respect the, 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 the positions and give them some autonomy of my coordinators. No. At this point, Box ticket, because, man. yeah, but, but at this point, his position has to be, I'm not losing my fucking job because of what you guys are doing. Let's figure it out because if you've got talent and you can't figure out how to cohesively put a plan together that will utilize that talent, then you, you're making, you're, 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 it's coaching malpractice. Like the fact that you're not even trying with guys that they paid money to bring in to help you. You can't do that. And, and let me let me just move this a little bit forward, Bob. Before you before you move it a little further, mm-hmm. you know, with Thanksgiving coming up, I just want to remind everybody, Bet Online is your number one spot for all sports action for this Thanksgiving. And we've got a great welcome bonus for you. All you have to do is type in the code believe. B-L-E-A-V. Type in that code right now, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. All right, go ahead. So uh, just to move it slightly forward, right, Um, we talk about the talent being better than the rankings in a lot, and categorically, let's just put it that way, red zone, third down, all of these things, because you have players that, you can do things with in different situations. So what the failures, and this is not a pile on of Jason Garrett, I'm going to call it an offensive failure with him as the coordinator. People are saying how bad the Giants are individually. It's a team sport. So offense is a collective effort. What teams do? They look at what they have available and what they can do well. And then you build a plan around your strengths. You know, you don't, you don't go into games highlighting the weaknesses of what your team can't do. There are certain run schemes that this team does not do well. There are others. When you look at when the Giants are running the ball, just look at the type of runs they are. They are gap scheme runs. They are play action passes a lot off of those gap scheme runs. Stretch runs are nothing. They get, they get knocked around, right? There are certain pass protections they can't do. But how do you get to what you need in the passing game? By playing to the strengths of what you can do up front in terms of running the football and the actions off of that. And teams put packages together to, to, to build on what they have, not what they don't have and not come up with a bunch of grab bag plays and say, well, we'll try this one. That didn't work. Let me try this one. That didn't work. Oh, I didn't hold up on that one, but it looked good. No, what you have to do 
is build packages around what's available to you. And we talked about that and they talked about it when they went with that extra offensive lineman and they ran the ball and they did a lot of things. And they said, we worked, we worked around the available personnel. Well, working around the available personnel also means building a game plan week in and week out. Your personality is here's what they do well. That's what teams should say. The Giants do this extremely well because, and then you got to be alert for X, Y, and Z. The fact that you got Galladay and Evan Ingram that don't even factor in on third and shorts, third and mediums, and you got a, a, a play that everybody's put online and it rhymes with cluster duck. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You got everybody in one area. And the only thing you're going to hit there is it's if you were throwing a grenade, you got everybody. You got 100 <laughs> percent. And you're probably right? going to throw an interception. That. Yeah. But but the thing is, how do you have that? Right. That's not the best use of your personnel. That's not even the best use of your talent. Now, I don't know if that's part user error and part coach in design, but at the end of the day, they ain't been coached right if they're all doing that. Right. So, yeah, there's no way that Jason Garrett, who, you know, has been a personal friend of mine for since 2000. I worked together. I did telecast with him when he was doing TV. So, I mean, I feel bad because he's a friend, but there's no way Jason Garrett drew up a play that said, okay, we're going to have three guys bump into each other six yards off the line. Okay. Like, I know everybody's highlighting that play, which means that the guy is that somebody didn't do the right thing on the play. But to your bigger point, that can't happen in a game. It's got to be coached right. better during the week so that you don't yeah. have that happen in the game. Exactly. Exactly. And that that again, yes, your 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 offensive coordinator is your architect of your offense. But your head coach. Joe's in his 30s. Just don't be a talker. Hold your coaches accountable. Yeah. That's what the great ones do. Now, I, I know there's there's different levels of this, and I can't tell Joe uh, how he should do that. But I'm sure when Joe worked for Bill, because I've, I've, I've sat in meetings when Bill would challenge his, his assistant coaches. Love you. When, when Bill worked for Bill Parcells, there were a lot of F-bombs thrown on the field in front of his players. Now, that ain't Joe. If it ain't him, it ain't him. But he has got to be more than words. He's a, he's a, a smart guy. He's been, he's been trained right in this. But this is the next phase of leadership, right? Doing the uncomfortable, which was done with Garrett. Now, how are the rest of these guys going to respond? Hey, Freddie, what is going to be our personality? If Here it's going to be Freddie. Yeah, if it's going to be Freddie. Well, Freddie's already, listen, Freddie is still involved in the offense. We right. know that. Freddie Kitchens, folks. But it is, okay, next play caller, I need to know what our personality is. If we got three plays that we run well, then we're going to run them so well nobody can stop them. I think that's how football works, right? You run something until they stop it or you run it until you get tired. 
So if you got five plays that 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 Will Hernandez and 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 uh, Andrew Thomas and the rest of this crew can run and they run it well, then make the other team stop it because you got five variations of that play that you can run at minimum. But you got to get them in something that they can do well. And if you do that, you're doing your job as an offensive coordinator. Your job as a coordinator is not necessarily to outsmart the other team. It's to out-execute the other team. And when the opportunity comes to put one of your smart caps on and it hit a big one, you can do that. But what you have to do is find what you do best and you got to run that. You got to run it till you get tired run it until they can't like that is the nature of football. It's not about how many fancy ones you can look. It looked again, Monday night felt as bad. It looked as bad and it felt worse because it looked grab bag. It felt like it was like a grab bag of plays. And that's not, that's not how you establish anything in an offense that has many weaknesses. You got to play to your strengths. I don't think they did that at all. Carl, um, I, I got a couple things. I want to get into my boy right here, DJ. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. before we get into DJ, I got the one thing I don't understand in all this is why now? I know that I know. Look, the offense has been, I know they were coming off a win after the buy, uh, before the buy and everything. You got a short week. You got to play Philadelphia. I just, to me, it's, they, they probably should have made a move earlier. And they certainly have put themselves in a tough spot now on this short week. Um, but I'm worried about my man right here. I'm worried about my man, DJ, because I believe that Daniel Jones could be a good quarterback in the NFL. I don't think I'm blinded by it. I think he can be a good quarterback in the National Football League. I certainly saw enough really good things out of him just in his rookie season to get me excited and encouraged. But here's why I'm worried about him now, Carl. Because he's now going to have his third offensive coordinator in his third year in the league. Okay, he had, you know, under Pat Shermer. Then Jason Garrett, who Daniel Jones was very close with Jason Garrett. And now whoever is going to be the new play caller. And now there's seven games to go in the season. And I was hoping that this team would be competitive this year, show growth, and more importantly, firm up the quarterback moving forward. So you're not, uh, this is not something we have to worry about. And I can't get a read on Daniel Jones. I mean, that intercept, the one interception he threw the other night, that's inexcusable when he got pressure and he just threw it over the middle and threw it to McClendon. There's no way to excuse that in any way, shape, or form. But the, the organization has really put themselves in a bind because by Judge not making this move earlier or making this move whenever, you're, you're losing games. He's getting battered and the O-line can't still can't figure out how to block a twist. Okay. So it's the other thing, right? You know, the right guard was a high second round pick. 
how many offensive line coaches has he had? He's had a bunch. Okay. It still looks the same. So at some point you got to say, this is what it is, but I'm, I'm worried about not, I, I I'm worried about us not getting a good feel for Daniel Jones by the end of this season. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but he is as much of, let's just say worst case scenario. He's an average quarterback who can make above average plays. Let's say worst case scenario, just based on what we've seen, right? What's your alternative is number one question. So if you're a front office person and you're looking at this team, I'm not so much worried about the, the voices in his ear, meaning that who's calling the plays and what system he's learning. Number one, the transition this year is not going to be that that big of a shock to the system because of the consistency of Freddie Kitchens being in the room. So there will be some kind of um, familiarity with something. Okay, and again, we don't know if, if, if Coach Kitchens is, is calling the plays or not, but he's been involved. So he's had interaction with Daniel. But moving forward, here's what Joe Judge has to do in this offense is find, not find out, do what they do well. The, the, the whole reason you have a, a, a bye week is for coaches to do some self-evaluation, right? One week that they don't have to prepare. So you lump in what are your good plays, you lump in what are your bad plays, you throw out all the plays that ain't working. You look at your blocking schemes, what blocking schemes work, what blocking schemes don't work. Okay, we're keeping these because we ran the ball well against Washington's, one of the best fronts in football. Uh, we were able to pass protect against Washington because we were able to do X, Y, and Z in the run game. Let's do more of that, right? Oh, when we go uh, empty formation, our guys don't hold up. So what can we do to stay in manageable down and distance so we don't get in these situations, right? They've got it. That's what they, they have to be right now. I'm not so concerned with highlighting Daniel Jones. I want to keep Daniel. And this is what all coaches should do. Keep them from situations where they will be vulnerable to make mistakes, right? Um, if he's, if he's an average quarterback that can play above average, build around that because for everybody who wants a change, you better know what's on the horizon first, uh, before you say, throw this guy out. And if you can get him again to play above average, then you're going to be okay. You're going to have a chance to win a lot of football games in the NFL because there's a lot of above average play that put their teams in position for the playoffs. And if you get the talent right and you get the schematics right, then you'll see whether or not he is above that. But right now, I know at the very worst, he's an average quarterback who can make above average plays. Can you play to that? Can you build to that strength? That is the challenge of this giant team moving forward. Now, they got a lot of uh, lot of picks coming up. I haven't heard a lot about 
quarterbacks coming out in this draft. No, this is uh, not a year. Uh, there's, I don't think this is a year that you're using a high pick to take a quarterback. If you are, you're reaching. That's the right. bottom. And that's the last thing the Giants need to do at any position these days and, is reach. I, and I got to be honest with you, Carl. I'm not that keen on – I mean, there could potentially be some opportunities for trades for some quarterbacks that could be on the move. But, again, they, they – They've got to fix this roster. They don't have an edge rusher. They've been passing on edge rushers and trying projects, and it ain't working. Mm-hmm. They Their offensive line is not working, okay? Uh, yes, it looks like Andrew Thomas is going to be a really good player, okay? And, and knock on wood, that keeps going. But, you know, Gates is a free agent. He's hurt. Lemieux is a late pick. He's hurt. They're, they got a bunch of Joes in there right now that are just plug guys. Uh, Hernandez has really struggled for four years and Solder has been a a great guy and a very good player over his career, but it looks like he's kind of on his last legs. And the fact that Parrott is not beating him out convincingly is also a concern. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be using draft picks on a quarterback. And then you're going to bring a veteran quarterback in there. And guess what? He's going to be dealing with the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing too. Um, before someone says, ah, well, Russell Wilson's going to be available. Well, Russell Wilson's probably saying, I got a bad line here. Why do I want to go to another situation exactly. with another bad offensive line? But it's just proof that, you know, teams with bad offensive lines figure it out. They find the things that work, and they try to stay away from things that don't work. And that's what they've done in Seattle for years. Uh, I would think Russell Wilson would want to go somewhere where there's a a better offensive line configuration than what's here. But that's that's we'll deal with that after the season. Anyway, it's not even a consideration at this point. What can they do now? Again, find out what your guys do best and keep yourself in those situations. That is Joe Judge's uh, mantra. It sounds simple. It sounds like football 101, but that is what they have to do at this point. Um, get your quarterback to play above average, keep him in good situations and demand that he make good decisions with the football. But you just cannot have the feeling that this has been, you know, this game plan was, like I said, drawn up the day before, the night before the test. And it was just like, what feels good? And it just, it looked such a grab bag uh, group of plays and it was again no disrespect to uh, Todd Bowles and his defense the Giants helped them oblige them in everything they wanted to do yeah you know and they got really really good players you can't make it easy for them and they just they just did they just did not present anything uh, in terms of a challenge to this offense it was like let's see if we can hunt a big play here, hunt a big play there, not try to establish anything um, consistently. And this is this is a failure. That was a failure. But um, when we look at the change, uh, it was necessary because the talent is better than the rankings across all categories. You got your job as coaches, and it starts with the head coach is to make sure that you 
can put those players in position to have success on a consistent basis. So if you're an offensive coordinator, your job is to present a plan that will make sure that your best players are always involved in your, your game plan. They are a focal point. Uh, if you're a head coach, you better be demanding that because when the general manager, whatever you feel about him, can go out and get you players that can help your quarterback and can help your offense and you can't figure out how to use them, that's not on him, right? And then these players <clears throat> who are making money have got to hear, oh, they're making so much money, they can't even, they can't even produce. They have their numbers are down. We overpaid for X, Y, and Z. Not necessarily. You just didn't use them right. And it's now is the time. And like you say, you don't know uh, what took so long because they weren't getting better in the autonomy that um, coordinators have been given uh, to do and try to fix things. And, you know, you can admire Joe for that. And I don't know if there were any external influences into that. Um, but you know what? Even if they were, and, or here's, 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 here's what I'll say, because there have been a lot of theories floated out there about, you know, why Jason Garrett was brought on the staff, why he was kept on the staff. Let's just say, for argument's sake, if Joe Judge has 99% of the guys that he's familiar with on his staff, why wouldn't he want an opposing point of view or a different point of view in the room? Maybe he says, you know what, I know these guys. Maybe someone I don't know can can help me be a better head coach and can bring something that um, I may not be thinking of or my guys not be seeing. He gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Let's just say that is uh, the best case scenario that like, hey, maybe the Giants say, hey, yeah, Jason Garrett's out there. Um, he's had success in Dallas, blah, blah, blah. And he says, okay. I'll try him because I want a different point of view. Now, keep in mind, that's not uncommon with guys like Bill Belichick. They bring a lot of different voices in. They visit a lot of coaches. They learn a lot about football. Um, some of those guys don't stay with him long, but they, they learn from different coaches in different philosophies. So, again, it's 26 games and not, it's not, you know, five years. But those 26 games were 26 very crucial games in this coaching tenure and in the development of this quarterback. And that's something that um, they got to they gotta get right. All right. Um, we're both foodie guys. Um, I got to tell you about this real quick, Carl. You know, we talked about um, the high lawn. And we've talked about oh, yes. our buddy, Sam Palladino. I'm supposed to go to the high lawn on Friday. That's the game plan. Um, the amazing Sam Hazen. Yeah, we've talked about, you know, Nick and Sam's down there in, in Dallas, mm -hmm. another favorite spot. I got to tell you, some of the best sushi. There are these young guys that have a truck. I don't know if you've heard about them. It's called Wisp Express. W-I-S-P Express. And you go on Instagram around noon and they reveal where their truck is going to be somewhere in the Jersey city area. Yeah. 
Their sushi is off the charts. It's the best sushi I think I've ever had. And I've had some really good sushi in my life. And I can't say I'm like a sushi expert guy, but their sushi is so good that and when it's gone it's gone i'm assuming it's not like you they're there all day so they they create the sushi when their suppliers out it's gone yeah they they usually open at four and they close at 8 30. you call in the order or you order online you go pick it up you figure out where the truck is you gotta you gotta try it out if you're in the i'm on it i'm on it w-i-s-p Wisp Express, bunch of young guys. Okay. Their fried dumplings are so good because they're small and crispy, and they're not. Oh, you're gonna love. You're gonna love this sushi. All right, Wisp Express guys, it. tip my cap to you. Uh, all right. So, Al- Alex, I need you to put an edit in here. Carl, let me ask you this question. Okay. You want to wrap this up and then bang out a 15 minute preview of the Eagles, so we don't have to do anything later in the week. Let's go. Want to do it? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that wraps it up. Wisp Express, don't miss it. Carl, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be back later in the week for a preview of the Eagles, which is a big game on Sunday. But well, how do we always end this thing? Tell a friend to tell a friend. You tell a friend to tell a friend and so on and so on. Tell a friend. You've been listening and watching. And check us out later in the week for another edition of Believe in Giants with Carl Banks and yours truly, Bob Pop. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.